Hi, and thank you for tuning in to McDowell Mountain Community Church's podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you can be notified when we upload our latest message. We hope the message you hear today is encouraging to you as you navigate your week. Be blessed. Words, our words, um, can kill and they can bring life. They can speak life. Our words can kill or they can speak life. They're, they're either poison or fruit, and you get to choose. You get to choose. Words have the power of life and death within them. And I'm not overstating that. I'm not exaggerating that. I think we've all experienced that in our lives, that words have the power of life and death. Um, we, last week, I, I mentioned this, that some words uh, are weighty because they've rep- been repeated again and again and again. And remember, we, we did the little game with the songs, and you could remember the songs because you've heard them so many times. And so sometimes weight, words are weighty because they've just been repeated. But sometimes words are weighty because of who said them or, or when they were spoken to us. At a certain point in our life and at a certain point of vulnerability, someone said something to us. And those words cut deep within us. And we have scars and maybe some shame that, that bear the weight of those words. And here's the challenge that we talked about last week, is we recognize and understand the weight of other people's words, and we want to hold them accountable for the weight of their words. But so often, we under uh, we underweigh our own words. We give ourselves a lot of grace, and we don't recognize the, the, the immense power and weight of our words in the lives of other people around us. That's the challenge, is to see how, how weighty our, our own words are and, and, and then um, speak appropriately based on that. Uh, one thing I know for all of us in this room is that God wants to do a work in our lives. I, I, I believe this with everything I am. I would not do what I'm doing if I didn't believe this, that God wants to do a work in your life and my life, and he has given us his very spirit, his Holy Spirit, to, to bring about this work in our lives. And in Scripture, Paul calls this the fruit of the Spirit, that the Spirit is doing a work within us that then produces a fruit in our lives. And so when it comes to our words, last week I gave you this list and this is based on the fruit of the Spirit, that, that God wants your words to be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient. And God wants your words and my words to be kind and good and faithful and, and gentle, and he wants them to be controlled. He wants our words to be controlled. He wants our words to be controlled. Now, what I'm, I'm not saying with this list is that there are, there's never a time for difficult words. It's just that the, 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 the fruit that God wants to see primarily in our lives would be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and controlled words. And I highlighted the word control as that fruit is that's the work I want to work on today. That's the fruit is self Control. Oh. I, I, didn't, I didn't warn you because some of you would um, not have shown up. But it's going to be a little work today. 
And here's how I want to set the table for us, and then I'm going to get into it, and um, I'm going to offend some of you, and then we'll be done. So we, uh, <laughs> every single day, you and I are being formed by something or someone. We're all in the process of formation. All of life, your entire life, you're being formed. And if you're not intentional, your formation will come about through the, the natural flow of the culture around us. Does that make sense? That we are being formed, or you could use the word discipled, which the Bible uses. We are being discipled by something or someone all the time. And if we're not intentional about choosing how we're being discipled or who is discipling us, we will be discipled by the culture in which we live. That's just the reality of life. All of us are in the process of formation. How many of you are the same today as you were 10 years ago? Let me see your hands. Like the same beliefs, the same exact ideas, the same perspectives. You just, you change over time because you're being formed by circumstances of life, by all the happenings, by the, the relationships that you have. We are all being formed at all times. And, and one, of the, one of the things that is prevalent, I don't know if you've noticed this in culture today, is we live in a culture of offense. We are so easily offended. And some of you are offended that I would even say that. <laughs> You're like, I'm not easily offended. I'm offended that you would, that you would even suggest that I'm easily offended. <laughs> I mean, look back just a couple of years and I was offended that you wore a mask, and I was offended that you didn't wear a mask. I was offended that you got the vaccine, or I was offended that you, 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 you didn't get the vaccine. I was offended by your choice of voting, or I told you I was going to offend somebody. <laughs> and I'm offended that you're not offended right now. That's offensive to me. We, we live in a culture in so many ways of being easily offended. And listen, as Christians, we really are no different. We're, we're so easily offended. And we live in this culture of, of seeing things from a certain perspective and thinking certain ways. And um, like I said, I'm gonna offend you today. I'm not gonna apologize for that. I'm just gonna warn you. I'm gonna offend you. God wants us as Christians, those who are following Jesus, and I realize that's not everybody in the room, but for those who are following Jesus, God wants us to be uncommon in this world. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be set apart. And I believe this is one of the marks of a follower of Jesus, is that we are not easily offended, as is true in, in so much of culture. And if, if we're not intentional about this journey of, of being formed and of, of discipleship is, is kind of what we talk about in the church, then we will be formed by, by what is prevalent all around us every single day. So this process of God wanting to form us, like if you would think about, uh, like I have a friend who's in the room actually this morning, I, I saw him earlier, and he's a potter, and he has this pottery wheel. And um, I told him that it can't be that difficult. I'd like to try it. So he invited me to dinner. <laughs> and his pottery wheel is one that you, act, it's like a, a manual one. That It's not an electric one. You have to like pump it with your leg. And, and then, um, and, and it's not easy. If you've ever tried, and it is um, to, to get it 
to stay balanced and the right, you know, all of that is just really difficult. And then you're trying to create the inside of it and then it can get off balance and then you've messed everything up. So you got to start all over again. And, and, and in a sense, God is like a, a master potter is working to form us as, and, and we get off balance and we, we resist and God is so patient to work with us, and he is forming us into something, and, and, he's, and he's working on us. And what is so important in the life of a, of, a, of a Christian, of a follower of Jesus, is that we cooperate with the one who's forming us. There's a cooperation that, that must happen. And so years ago, I heard John Ortberg, and um, one of the, the concepts that he was talking about when it comes to discipleship is this concept of training versus trying. And this just made so much sense to me. And I've, I've just, over the years, I just keep coming back to this. And uh, I have a friend in the church, uh, TJ, who's uh, training to run the Boston Marathon. He qualified for the Boston, which is super difficult to do, and he, he, he's now training to run. And um, if I were to bring him up here and say, you know, hey, if if you wanted to run a PR in the Boston Marathon, you should just try really hard. And he would say, no, 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 no. I can try as hard as I want to try, but I will not be able to run a PR, which is like a personal record, personal best, um, if I don't train. Training will make it possible for me to run a marathon. I can try all I want to try, but will fail time and time again, unless I train. Do you see the difference? And so often for us, as Christians, we read something in the Bible, and we think, oh, I'm going to try to do that tomorrow. I'm going to work really hard to try to do that. And we keep running into a brick wall. I can't get there. I want to be more patient. I want that fruit in my life. I want to be more patient. And I'm going to try harder this week to be patient. But I'm not training to be patient. Like training and trying are just two, do you, do you see that? When I was younger, my coaches used to say, Matt, um, practice makes perfect. So if you just keep practicing, eventually you'll be perfect in that. And then there was a point at which my coaches um, said, we were wrong about this. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean you were wrong? And they said, it's not practice that makes perfect. It's actually perfect practice makes perfect. Like you have to do it right and, and do that over and over again, and then you'll be able to, to do it perfectly. And over time, I've realized this is wrong. This actually isn't true. And, and here's, what, here's what I've come to believe, and I believe this about our words, is that intentional practice makes possible. Intentional practice will make it possible in a moment of intensity, it'll make it possible, but it won't make it perfect. Does that make sense? Yes. And so when it comes to our words, if, if God is, is um, by his spirit, if he's nudging you or trying to get your attention with this, it, then it, it's, not, it, it, it's not going to help us just to try harder every week. We've got to practice it. We've got to work on it intentionally so that in the moments where it's really, really important. Let me give you an example. If you've ever had kids, or if you've ever been a kid, there are moments where you, 
your, your child does something and your first response is to say something that if you say it, in two days you're going to regret saying it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever said something? Or wish you or no, 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 not you wish you didn't say something. Yeah, yeah. And when we practice with our words over and over and over again, in the moment of conflict or in the moment when something happens, when tension is high, it gives us the possibility to bear fruit with our words. And the weight of those words becomes really important in the lives of the people we're speaking to. Does that make sense? So, with all of that, the passage for the week is this. We must all be quick to listen. James, James is writing. James, Jesus' brother, listen. We must all. The whole first chapter of James, he's talking about humility and patience. Humility and patience. And he gets to the end of this first chapter. They didn't really have chapters back then, but he's just writing. And he gets to the end of what we now know is the first chapter. And um, he says, we must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and even slower to get angry. For human anger does not produce the right living, the righteousness that God desires. So here's, here it is. The, this is. This is the verse of the week for you, for you and me. I don't know if you can use this. I don't know if you need this. I don't know who this is for. But he says, we must all, all of us, and some of you do this really well, we must be quick to listen and slow to speak and even slower to get angry, for human anger does not produce righteousness, the righteousness, the right living, the right ways that God desires. I mean, have you ever thought to yourself, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that? Are you breathing today? How many of you are breathing? <laughs> are you with me? I wish I wouldn't have said that. I spoke too soon. I, I put my foot in my mouth. And, and when, once those, those words, especially certain words in certain relationships, once they are spoken, you can never get them back again. That's the weight of the words. In marriage, man, I wish I could go back. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I wish I could go back at times and just peel back some of those things that I said. What about you? With our kids, with our grandkids even. Like, we must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. So let's, let's walk through each of these and, and, and slow to get angry. So um, in the Proverbs, so some of you might not know, you know, what you believe about Jesus and you're kind of on the fence. The Proverbs, it's a book in the Old Testament um, and it's these statements that are just so powerful and true. And this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 15. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Like, regardless of what you believe about God, this is true. 
that the heart of, of the wise or the godly, they think before they speak. But foolishness is just saying everything that comes to mind. Do you know anybody like that? Don't answer that out loud. No, no, no. <laughs> Careful. You just say everything without, without thinking about it. And here's what I'm, I'm coming to, to understand as God is, is working, and sometimes it's like I'm not as cooperative as I should be, and some of you are, are the same as me, um, because we struggle, because we like to do things our way. And as God is like working on me, I'm realizing that, that humility is what, what, like chosen humility is what moves me to listen first with respect, especially when I disagree with someone. And it's so difficult. I mean, be honest. When you disagree with someone, it is so difficult to just listen to a perspective or an idea that is different than yours, isn't it? It's just difficult to listen because in your mind you're thinking, but this, if you only knew, but what about this? And you are working so hard in your mind to, to make a point so that they will understand how right you are. But if, if you want, and, and humility, which throughout the Bible, you know, Jesus who humbled himself, even though he was one with God, he humbled himself and became a human. And even more than that, he humbled himself unto death, the most horrendous death, the death on a cross. And, and you who are following him should have that same humility to be able to listen to those that you disagree with, with respect. The opposite of that, I've learned is true, that pride, pride is what tells me that I need to speak my mind so that I can be understood. Do you see the two differences? I mean, vastly two, two different things. Humility, which allows me to listen with respect, even if I disagree. And pride tells me, no, 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 I have to tell, they need to know, they need to know, and I'm going to work hard so that I'm understood, and so they know that I'm actually right. I mean, I have, I have the perfect perspective here. If only I could run the country, because I'm right. Do you, know, you see what I'm talking about? Like how pride and humility, is, it's battling within us. And practicing humility, practicing listening is so powerful. Uh, last week I mentioned this. I thought it, you know, it's good to come back to, to be reminded that I don't need to say everything that's true, right? I don't need to say everything, but everything I do say should be true and right and helpful and good. Like we don't need to say everything, but what we do say should be right it should be good. Now, so there's this, this importance of listening, quick to listen, thinking before we speak, and then uh, James says this next step, and this is what often catches us, slow to get angry. In Ephesians, last week we were talking about Ephesians, which is that Paul, letter that Paul wrote to that young church trying to figure it all out. And he says this, in the middle of what we talked about last week, I, I kept this out last week, 
He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, don't sin by being angry, because anger is an emotion that will come. It will be a part of our human experience. Have any of you ever been angry? (laughs) I'm asking ridiculous questions this morning. Have any of you been angry this morning? Have any of you driven on Shay? Um, (laughs) Don't sin. Anger is just a part of the human condition. It's an emotion that is natural within us. But what Paul is saying is that if that anger then controls us, now, if you think about this as it relates to our words, this is such a powerful teaching, that he says that if, if the anger controls us, that's what leads to um, words that hurt and cut and divide and kill, if, if that anger controls us. And then he goes on to say, anger actually gives a foothold to the devil. And so don't, don't let the sun, sun go down on your anger. Um, Robin and I, in our premarital counseling, our, our counselor, one of the best things he told us is to do this. And he said, just don't go to sleep angry. And we've had um, one late night because of this teaching. <laughs> a week, one a week. <laughs> I was just making sure you were listening. Um, but we've worked, Robin and I, we don't do things perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but we've really worked to deal with our anger and not sleep time and time again with anger deep within us. Because, and we know this is true, you know this is true, like I don't even need to to say it, but it's worth saying that it gives a foothold to the one who wants to divide us in marriage, in the church, in our world, like it gives a foothold to divide us. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're someone who claims allegiance to the one who was risen from the dead, if, if that's you, then love and compassion and humility is what drives us in our relationships with people. It's the thing that matters most. Craig Rochelle years ago said this, and um, he probably took it from someone else. I don't know who said it originally, but he said this, do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? Do you want to make a point with someone or or do you want to really make a difference in their life? Love is what brings about a difference, not just making a great point, like working to make sure they understand your perspective because once again, we have our perspective. Everybody has their perspective and of course, everybody is passionate about their perspective and they think it's right because it's their perspective. All of us, none of us are just like not thinking. We just see things differently. And humility is what allows us to, to, like humility moves us to say, I want to hear you. And we may end up in completely different places, but I'm going to respect you. I'm going to listen to you. I have someone in my family that I love very much. And we are in way different places in some of our views and perspectives in life. I mean, so far apart. But I love him so much that, you know, every time I talk to him, we don't need to talk about this. Like, this is what holds us together. 
It's love that brings us together. And it's the humility to say, I want to listen to you. I want to, I want to learn. And when it comes to anger, this is, um, you know, this is a counselor question. You know, Jesus asked more questions than he answered questions. Did you know that? He just asked a lot of questions. So that's what I'm doing. How's anger working out for you? How's it going with that? Is it working? Like, does anger, does it really help? And some of you are like, well, sometimes. But overall, how's it going? Now, I know the Christian pushback, and this is where I'm going to offend some of the Christians in the room. Matt, Jesus got angry. He turned over the tables. You tell me he wasn't controlled by that anger in that moment to turn over those tables. I'm offended that you would say that Jesus wasn't angry. That wasn't human anger. I think that was godly anger. And listen, hold on before you get up and walk out yet. It took him 33 years to get there. That was slow, slow burn. And what he was angry about was not that someone had a different perspective or opinion than he did. He was angry that the very people who were going around proclaiming God's kingdom were actually keeping people from God's kingdom. It was the money changers who were overcharging for sacrifices from the poor who were trying to get to God and find forgiveness with Him. And what Jesus was angry about was not that someone had a different idea than He did. He was angry that the people who were proposing their connection with God were actually keeping people away from God. That's what Jesus was angry about, and that was a godly anger. And by the way, it led to him, you know, getting killed eventually. <laughs> that was part of the beginning of that holy week where he ended with crucifixion, and he knew that was coming. Listen to what it says about Jesus. This is, this is what Scripture tells us about Jesus. Jesus did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. That's the way of Jesus. Over and over again. On the cross, Father, forgive them, for they, they don't even know what, what they're doing right now. In, in Jesus' greatest teaching, in, in Matthew chapter 5, this is what, what Jesus says. He says, love your enemies and actually pray for those who persecute you. Like, turn the table on the whole thing. In that way, you're going to be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for God gives sunlight to both the good and the evil. He brings water on the just and the unjust alike. And so, this idea of loving people that we have different opinions different perspectives, different beliefs. Humility is, is what puts us in a position where we can love like Jesus did. If you're a follower of Jesus, this isn't one of those like maybes, optional. This, this is actually what it means to follow Jesus. And we're not going to get there by just trying harder. We actually have to practice. Matt, do you mean like practice by sitting with someone I disagree with and intentionally not ever saying what I believe but just listening? That'd be a good start. But, but what if they never know? But shouldn't I tell them the truth? But what about my perspective? No, just humility to listen. 
And what happens over time is that relationship builds. Okay, so one of the best examples I could think of as we were putting all this together, one of the best examples I could think of was um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he, he, um, you know, growing, growing up in Alabama and a lot of the history was, was hidden from us. Not hidden, we just didn't want to talk about it. Sometimes it's hard to talk about the real histories that we, we experience. And to think about and to see images, um, I remember watching Selma for the first time. And, and, and see, you know, it's one thing to see pictures, but to see it represented in a, in a, in a movie form where people are just being beaten and... Um, you know, sprayed with the, the, the hoses. I mean, just inhumane things. And to think there was, there was a man leading that group of people to choose love in the face of that kind of hatred. Where does that come from? It comes from the teachings of Jesus. In one of his writings, um, you know, he talks about winning freedom, but the freedom isn't a freedom of force. And, and look what he says. He says, the great military leaders of the past have gone, and their empires have crumbled. Like that idea of, of, of force. All have, have crumbled and burned to ashes, but the empire of Jesus, built solidly and majestically on the foundation of love, is still growing. I mean, think about it. It's the one thing that still lasts. And the history, I mean, U.S. history is short. The kingdom of God is still moving forward, built solidly on the foundation of love, may we solemnly realize that we shall never be sons of our heavenly Father until we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, just like he did. See, if, if, if we're followers of Jesus, we, we've got to, I know this comes as a surprise, we've got to follow Jesus. If we're followers of Jesus, we've got to follow Jesus. And our words, so very important in that. And sometimes the, the right response is to be quick to listen, and very slow to speak, and then slow to get angry. So a couple questions. Um, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to, slow to anger. Is there one of these that jumped out to you today? And why might that be? So that, that's just something to think about. And I, I think God, um, when he wants to get our attention, when in moments like he, he puts things, he, he brings them to the top for us, and so maybe as we were talking this morning, there was something that popped out. Why is that? Number two, are there any relationships or environments where I need to listen more and work to understand another's perspective? Be honest about that. Is there a, a relationship, an environment where, where there's some work to do in terms of listening and respecting? And then the third one, kind of based on that anger idea, is anger and emotion that takes control of me, my words, my actions, is anger... Um, and, you know, I, I think this one, for me, personally, you know, when you go through circumstances in life that are painful, 
sometimes um, they create something deep within you, and over time, anger pops up again and again and again, and really there's something deeper going on behind that anger. It's not actually what's happening right here. There's just something down deep that you need to deal with. And so, like asking the question, um, is, there, is there something that's sparking it? And then, is there a way to more appropriately handle that anger or walk out that anger so that it doesn't control me? And sometimes it's helpful to have someone to talk through that with. Um, for, your, for a prayer this week, maybe this would be helpful. In Psalm, David uh, wrote this. I love this prayer. Take control of what I say and guard my lips. That's a pretty good prayer. Take control of what I say and guard these lips. And um, maybe if, if, if words, something that you're needing to work on, maybe this would be a prayer that would be helpful for you. Some of you are in a great place with all this, and you're good examples for the rest of us, and I mean, that's awesome. But for some of us, we need some work. We need to be formed, and we need to, to cooperate with, with God's Spirit that's working to bring about that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in our lives. So God, take control of what we say. Take control of what we say and guard our lips. Help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and even slower to get angry. In Jesus' name.